Yeah, we're gonna have to change the uh, <clears throat> description of our podcast. Three guys breathing recycled farts. We went down the rivers, we crossed the plains, over the mountains, we fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names. With guns and axes, we sought our fame. Our destiny was manifest. And God help those who stood in the way of business, progress, and the USA. USA. The last good like uh, product review I ever watched was uh, my last uh, flip phone that I ever owned was a Samsung Rugby Two. Just a guy throwing it against a wall over and over no. again. No, this guy took a took the fucking cell phone because it's one of those like you know indestructible phones. Uh-huh. You can drop it from fourteen feet, they submerge it in water, and still make phone calls. He took it to a fucking Ren fair, and it was dumping rain the whole time. And he like throws the fucking phone into a giant mud puddle, like giant mud puddle, and then like thirteen dudes in full fucking plate armor like dive in to try to find it and they're like calling the phone so that like whoever finds it first gets to win one or some right. shit it was excellent that and then I good. then I bought that phone I would watch that yeah it was cool very nice but that's, that's not what why we're talking you should about. ban the internet and only listen to our podcast yep. that's right and they spend the rest of the time if the internet's the banned sun. we will mail you tapes I was gonna say because we're only distributed on the internet so I don't yeah know. we will God uh damn it. we'll uh we're going to bring back the wax cylinder just like fucking Edison <laughs> fucking well, wanted. I was thinking we could do a monthly subscription box service where we'll mail you boxes full of tapes well we just come like a fucking barbershop quartet and do this shit acapella on your porch oh God. like fucking Christmas carolers there you go Mom, there's three, three weirdos. <laughs> there's three so, drunk assholes swearing at me. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, 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 like fuck, 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 swearing, fuck. and every once in a while they say shit like "sitting bull." <laughs> uh. Oh man! So uh, my mom got uh, got the kiddo. Uh, it's like thirty blocks a bread box. It's thirty blocks, but it's like women that change the world kind of thing. And so each one has like a block has someone's face on it, okay. and then on the they each side 30? of thirty. Each side, of the, <laughs> each side of the block has like information on who this person is. So what it's they like, did. Gold in my ear. So they had Fucking... one of them was Chicagoia, and like it says, born in, you know, seventeen ninety or whatever the fuck it was, yeah. and then it has two death dates. Yeah, because like, nobody's mm-hmm. quite sure. I didn't know that. Did well, we talk about that? Fuck yeah. I don't remember that. Anyways, there's like she, two different gravesites. Two yeah. different stories. Yeah, I did not. And realize. seven different spellings and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the show, I didn't. I didn't know how long the show was going to be around, so I didn't bother to learn retain, anything. Retain any? Yeah. <laughs> good. To, good to know. <laughs> That's a wonderful like test demographic for our <laughs> audience. <laughs> Shit. Well, in case you don't remember, speaking of not remembering things, uh, we are uh, how the West was fucked. How do you back. remember that? So I don't have early onset Alzheimer's like you. <laughs> Just um, has to do with the weed. Yeah. Um, so uh last time we were um spinning exciting, wonderful yarns about the great state of Idaho, which you know It's like, not really like, a state. Well, it's definitely the name isn't real. And uh like I said, it's kinda like Pacific Northwest Florida. 
But, you know, it's one of those Old West states that doesn't get a lot of mention, even though it's, you know, it's fairly important. Yeah. But it's always kind of like, I think what we're kind of been proving is it's always kind of been that rough and tumble kind of, um, let's call it um, self-starter kind of like, um, you know, if you, if you can't make any money just counterfeited if you can't make any money just rob somebody yeah well it's like the last best place to hide yeah too. If, if you want to like set up your white supremacist compound fucking do it there if you want to overthrow the government it's a great place to start you know we're gonna practice with the idaho government so it's Take yeah so over. it seems like that's been going on for some yeah, some you, degree of time if you don't know the story i think it was behind the bastards that did the guy who did the uh modern white supremacist movement was actually secretly Jewish. Oh. Of course. And <laughs> of he course. Was, he was the guy who did the, uh, on the back of your comic books, the Sea Monkey ads. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, well, we've, oh, we, we, we've talked about we've that, talked about yeah. that because we actually right. put the Sea Monkeys on the Insta. Yeah, That's right, yeah, because the Sea Monkey guy was uh, like funding the KKK and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's fucking nutty. Mm-hmm. Well, well they, it's, it's like the, all the politicians that are passing uh, anti-LGBT uh, legislation. Yeah, like yeah. are almost every single fucking time like closet cases. Lynch Graham, <laughs> Lynch Graham. Those just uh, ladybugs. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, well, and then you know other things with like Idaho. Like last time we were kind of talking about Eamon Bundy a little bit, and I was reminded when I was doing my research of there was that guy that he was kind of like living in the wilderness and like poaching shit, and like two game wardens came out and confronted him and he shot them both fucking dead. What the fuck? And he actually, I think he got like acquitted. But it was like, it wasn't completely thrown out because he like shot him and then like they were laying there like dying and he went and like double tapped him. him. Oh shit. But then like he ended up fucking like going to jail, but then he ended up like breaking out of jail and like running off. It was kind of like a mad trapper scenario. When the fuck was this? Like the 80s or 90s. Like it wasn't that long ago. Yet, but yeah, Idaho is you know still the land where dreams can come true like that. Yeah. You know, apparently it's the gem state. Yeah, the gem state. Is that is that their actual slogan? Absolutely, <laughs> real gem. Well, for a lot of like uh, you know, there's gold mining in there, but like, who is was it? Lion or like that started the diamond? Well, there's also the guy we're going to talk about with the diamond field shit, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of fake diamond finding, <laughs> like. Okay. Oh, there's diamonds in them our hills, and there's there's no, not at least not well, any significant that was amount. In Wyoming, where they planted diamonds, and well, that was different. But yeah, yeah. but this well, they didn't even bother planting them. They just like said that they were there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Let's get into it with the Comic Sans and that smooth, smooth NPR voice. Uh, Splawn. Splawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Diamond Field Jack then. Uh, the South Hills of Cassia County were claimed by uh, cattlemen, but it was used by sheepmen. So there you have a, a little... Uh, little rivalry. Yep. It always pisses me off. The rivalry. I understand it because, you know, the cattlemen generally, you make you make more money selling bees, so they have generally a little more power. And cattle, while pretty destructive to any kind of grazing land, it's not like sheep. Like, cattle, like, eat a bunch of grass and, like, move around. Like, sheep eat shit down to the fucking nub. Oh, like fuck. you know, they're they're like sheep and goats, back. pretty much, or yeah. at least not as quickly. They're like, but you know, they're also you know, cows can more or less kind of wander around and not all die out of sheer stupidity. But sheep will like walk off fucking cliffs and get stuck like in lemmings, 
get stuck in ditches and thickets and get eaten by coyotes and shit. Can sheep survive on scotch broom? I don't know. Because I would love to I have bet them you, eat scotch broom until it's fucking goat, goats more likely. Ugh. But yeah, fucking scotch broom. Fucking bullshit scotch broom. But uh, either which way, that's why you always have like, sh- you know, like shepherds hanging out with the sheep because they're constantly like. Right. They got to be kept in line. Getting their heads caught in buckets and fucking whatever <laughs> the hell else, you know. It's a bunch of Mr. Magoos. And and so, you know, the, the cattlemen are like, oh, I want my cattle to. You know, and, and I don't want these fucking sheep, like, eating shit. But at the same time, it's like, cool, you need, you know, people want their beef, but, you know, same people that don't want the sheep, it's 90% chance, especially at this time, they're wearing something made out of fucking wool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of got to have the sheep bucking somewhere. Yep. You know, but anyway. Why didn't they just make shit out of nylon? Because they hadn't discovered that species yet. Oh, gotcha. Oh, those, they, they haven't found the, the nagas yet to make naga hide? The police, Sumatra. And a lost sailor discovers what is believed to be the first naga seen by mankind. Later, a demented Swedish trapper captures what he believes is a naga. It turns out to be his fiance's overnight case. At the same time, Uniroyal discovers the durability of naga hide. Hard to believe that the hide of such a bizarre little animal could be so attractive and easy to care for. Today, the naga is the sophisticated creature, and naga hide comes in even more textures and colors. It's softer to the touch and easier to care for than any naga hide in the past. Thank you, Uniroyal. Thank you, little naga. Yeah, and then, well, and I thought, like, isn't it, like, uh, or is it, uh, uh, polypropylene's made of, like, what, uh, chimpanzee foreskins or something? <laughs> Chimps have foreskins? I don't know. They yeah, have ass skins. Yeah. All right. You want to search it or me? Nope. I'm, well, <laughs> I'm not putting that anywhere near my Google. Uh, open private tab. <laughs> That'll do it. NordVPN. Do do chimpanzees have tails? No. Do chimpanzees have four? I think the it's whole pro- thing's a foreskin. It's probably just going to send you the story because you know when you find a chimpanzee, the first thing they you do is they twist your, your genitals off. They have a penile sheath. Oh. oh. Uh, almost all mammal penises have foreskins or prepuce. What? Prepuce? P-R-E-P-U-C-E. Okay. Oh, so they basically have like a they have like a red rocket like a dog. Oh. So it's it's in a little fucking shell or shell sheath <laughs> sheath. Melts in your mouth, <laughs> not in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> while know. we're talking about chimpanzee erections, uh, February fourth, eighteen ninety six, two young Mormon sheep tenders. Sheep tenders? Is that like chicken tenders? Mm-hmm. <laughs> tendies, bro. Fuck off. We're referred to as Do tendies. not use... I will fucking take this insulated Yeti mug and fucking <laughs> cave your skull in with it. <laughs> tendies. Uh, that was Daniel Cummings <laughs> and John Wilson. They met with Davis Hunter, who was on his way to the small town of Oakley. Small town? Small town. Taking you to small town. That was about 30 miles away. He was there to pick up some supplies. All was well on camp, but there had been threats against the sheepmen by cattlemen. One of the men making threats was Diamondfield Jack Davis. He was a gunman who worked for the Sparks Harrell Ranch, a huge ranch that extended all the way into Nevada. But they need all that space for just their cows, though. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've been to that area, you need yeah, like 80, one, 80 one acre. acres for a goat. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was 
one of the most feared gunmen in the area, and word is he actually killed somebody some months before. <gasps> I like feared gunmen in the area. Well, the area has like 10 fucking people in it, so... <laughs> Uh, a couple of days after Davis Hunter visited the sheep herders, two other men rode up. Uh, it was Jim Bauer, GM, general manager of the huge Sparks Harrell Ranch, and his friend Jeff Gray. District uh, manager. Mm-hmm. Assistant, Sparks to, Ranch. assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they get into an argument. Uh, Bauer was trying to drive off the young sheep herders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, exactly what happened to make Gray fire his uh, pistol was unknown, but no, the first shot I'm, hit Wilson I'm, I'm in the jaw. Alcohol, probably hit Wilson in the jaw and out the brain. Oh, Ooh. Gray fired at Cummings and hit him in the tum tum. Uh, Gray later says that these shots were in self-defense. Whether the one of the sheep herders was brandishing a rifle is unknown, but it was found later in their wagon. So it's kind of hard to fire your weapon if it's playing ten feet away in a wagon. Feet, yeah. So Bauer and Gray drag uh, the two young Mormon sheep tenders into their wagon. Uh, Bauer and Gray take nothing. New Burger King menu: Mormon sheep tenders. <laughs> <laughs> With the sheep Mormon, I guess. <laughs> uh, in their haste, Gray dropped his corncob pipe. Oh no! So he's he's Popeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson died a few hours later. About a week later, another sheep herder, Edgar Severe. <laughs> Sick. That's a wrestler name. Yeah. <laughs> he found the scene. Uh, by the time the sheriff had got there, the crime scene had been totally trampled by onlookers. <laughs> Sick. Uh, hey, but everybody, it did... let's go check out the crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody tell the sheriff. Fuck. <laughs> but it didn't matter because everybody suspected Diamond Phil Jack of the crime. Because he was had the bad reputation there. Uh-huh. Uh, Diamond Field's origins are unclear. He may have been born in Lynchburg, Virginia, around 1870. Okay. I think I looked up uh, when we were. Oh, it was another one, but like I, I think I looked up before. Like Lynchburg, Virginia is named after the guy that lynching is named after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking w- weird, man. How, how quaint. Yeah. Well, I think I heard that somewhere. It, Lynching at first was just tying people up by their thumbs. Yeah, yeah. String them up by their thumbs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Boy, not, that, that escalated. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he tried mining for a while. That's where he got his nickname. Because he was mining for fucking diamonds. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't his name Mining there Jack? There weren't any goddamn diamonds. <laughs> what a beautiful baby boy. I will name him Diamond Field. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of known as a loud braggart for some reason because... I don't know, maybe he talked big and he threatened sheep herders. Well, look at him. He looks really like a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. He pretty much looks like a potato with a fucking mustache. What the like, fuck? That's not what I expected him to look yeah. like. He's a little more dapper than I expected. Dapper and just doughy. Like, yeah. he's, he's got kind of a baby face Nelson thing, but with but a like, big bushy mustache. Yeah, like a fucking Stalin mustache. Yeah, he does look like a full-size baby or like a man-sized baby. He's kind of got the like the look in his eyes, like what's the dumb brother from uh, My Name Is Earl? Oh, like, uh, like Randy? Randy. Yeah, yeah oh, he's kind of yeah. got that expression. Totally on his face. Lying in my bed, I hear the clock tick and think of you. Caught up in circles, confusion is nothing new. Flashback, warm nights. 
almost left behind The second hand unwinds If you're lost, you can look and you will find me Time after time If you fall, I will catch you I will be waiting Time after time November 1895, one sheep herder named Bill Tolman tried to call his bluff and went to a shack one day. Tolman took friends along who watched from the hill overlooking the shack. Uh, Tolman and, and Diamond Field got into an argument. I'll tell you, my wife and I, we don't think alike. I mean, she donates money to the homeless and I donate money to the topless. I, Dangerfield, Diamond Field. <laughs> uh, Diamond Field shot Tolman in the shoulder. He cried out and dropped his gun. Uh, but Diamond Field was no cold-blooded killer. He was kind of startled about what he'd done. He, like, saw blood and started crying? Or? Yeah, so he oh, brought no. out bandage material and water for Tolman. Well, again, it's like the, the when you hit your little brother so hard that he starts bleeding or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, don't tell Mom, don't tell Mom, don't yeah, tell Mom. Yep. So he calls out for his friends to help, the friends up in the hill of uh, Tolman. Somebody shot him. But they were too scared, so Diamond Field drug Tolman up to his friends. Uh, after that, so uh, Diamond Field uh, stopped to collect his wages and resigned from the Sparks Hill Ranch, thinking he'd be in trouble. Yeah. So he rode south to the nearest border, which was Nevada. Well, just hold on for a second. So, like I, like I was saying with the— Did uh, Tolman die? Not from a shot in the shoulder. Oh, okay. I don't think. Well, I mean, it's entirely possible, but yeah. I don't think so. It's it's a crapshoot on this show. It's like— Yeah, you know, oh, shot in the pinky toe shot and in the died fucking, a month later. Yep, or shot in the head and died like a year later. Got shot in the— in the thumb, and then later hornets came out of his nostrils. Totally. And, yeah. But, uh, like, you know, these sheep herder guys, they were used to kind of getting shit on by the ranchers and stuff. So one of the things they always tried to do, like, you know, they set up their little sheep camp, and they always switched uh, where they'd, like, lay their head at night because the cowboys would, like, ride and kind of oh, yeah. shoot for where they think the head is in the tent. And so they'd kind of just, like, keep shifting that around. That's a fucking shitty way to live, dude. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Just kind of impressive that they didn't. I mean, maybe maybe it takes a pacifist to be a sheep rancher or something. Because like, I mean, after a couple nights of that bullshit, I think I'd be yeah. trying to murder every cowboy I fucking saw. Absolutely, you know. But whatever. So Diamond Fields in Nevada, spending several weeks in the saloons and bordellos there. Ooh, mm-hmm. the Mustang Ranch. Uh, he that, on- didn't John Bobbitt fucking work at the Mustang Ranch? Oh no, the Bunny Ranch. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, he was a bartender there. Anyway, carry on. Uh, he uh, hung out at the ranch owned by Sparks Harrell on the Nevada side. One day in January, Diamond Field rode off with another sometime gunman named Fred Cleason in search of two horses. Uh, the search took him into Idaho, sheep country. That night, wandering in dark, they came upon a sheepman's camp. Uh, Diamond Field accidentally fired his pistol into the ground. That just really just fucking indicates, like, you know, I'm just walking around with my cock. You know, because most pistols back then were double action. You know, you, right. you got you you a single pull action, you'd back. have yeah. to pull the hammer back. So you got a single action pistol, and you accidentally fire it. It means you're just kind of waving a pistol around. With it cocked and ready yeah, to go. Yeah. Fuck. That caused the sheepmen to start shooting into the darkness. Which is also responsible as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no one was hit. 
But Diamond Field uh, had another shootout on his resume anyway. Bragged about it. Mm-hmm. But the shooting of the Mormon sheep herders uh, happened a week later. Uh, around the same time, Diamond Field was at the Middle Stacks Ranch. Then he was leaving there back through Nevada to a string of ranches in the Lamoleal Valley. Uh, there he would regale anyone about his tough guy exploits about shooting sheepmen and the nighttime shootout. Thoroughly exaggerated, though. I'm bragging, like, ah, I'm killing all these shepherds. Yeah, You right. know, and, and daycare <laughs> operators. And yeah, exactly. Fucking, yeah. I killed 47 preschool teachers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't hear about the murders of Wilson and Cummings, the two Mormon boys. But when he did hear about it, uh, and that he was the prime suspect, he ran. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know why he was the prime suspect, right? There's a couple reasons. I like that he's Go super ahead. proud of it, telling everybody about it, and he's like, oh, shit, the well, jig is up, and he, like, takes off. Apparently when, like, whoever found the, the crime scene, you know, uh, they found, like, a magazine that somebody had been reading, but it was there was a diamond drawn on it in the blood of one of the victims. Like, they were, like, dying and then finger-painted a diamond on this magazine, apparently. <laughs> oh, and so then, it's a literal calling card? Yeah, and then uh, apparently... Somehow, I don't know what kind of fucking forensics they were doing, but like the sheepmen were killed with 44 caliber bullets shot out of a 45 caliber gun, which you can't do. It's not great. But how do you know? I I don't I know how we would know today, but I don't know how the fuck they'd know back then. Yeah, you know. Um, but a little more mushroom on the tip, probably. <laughs> a little more, a little more penile sheath for the chimp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking. Uh, but uh, Diamond Field Jack had bought forty-four caliber bullets earlier, and he had a forty-five caliber apparently. Pistol. Okay, apparently, true. So, so Diamond Dangerfield, Diamond Dangerfield, no respect. Uh, he's in Arizona, headed for Mexico. He might have made it there, except for a goddamn dog. What? <laughs> in the middle of the street in Congress, Arizona. He rode through town, and dog was barking at him and nipping at his horsey's heels. Awesome. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Annoyed, Diamond Field shot the dog. Oh, dear. Oh, fuck. A tearful boy, the dog's owner, went to get a cop. Straight up fucking lassie. Uh, Diamond Field might have gotten away with a fine, but when the officer showed up, Diamond Field pulled his gun and disarmed him. What the fuck? And the same to a second officer. <laughs> fucking idiot. But a good citizen in Arizona, who's always packing, yeah. shot Diamond Field off his horse, but didn't kill him. Uh, Diamond Field was traveling under the name Frank Woodson. Uh, authorities in Arizona knew nothing of his doings up north. In where? Say that again. You said like Arizona. Arizona. Microsoft brand Arizona. Arizona. Uh, he was sentenced to a year in prison and was shipped off to Yuma which was one of the most notorious prisons in the Old West. 310 to Yuma. And, of course, he escaped, but was caught in three hours in Yuma. <laughs> Did get out of town. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, returned to prison, but got into a fight with another inmate, so he's placed in solitary. Dude, he just keeps digging this fucking hole deeper, man. Well, like I said, he, Ding dong. he looks like a fucking potato. So. Yeah. Uh, just before he was supposed to get out, the sheriff from Cassia County showed up with extradition papers. Oops. Uh, the cattlemen stood behind their hired guns, and Sparks, uh, Harold Sparks, hired the best lawyer in Idaho, James Hawley, and Kurt Lynn Perky, 
What? <laughs> Who is the former law associate of uh, William Jennings Bryant. Oh, wow. Oh, what the future f- senator of Idaho. Yeah. Goddamn. So they put some money into this. Uh, but the prosecution was backed up by the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Uh, they brought in one lawyer from Utah. And ten whistling and whittling boys. Yep. And an up-and-comer from Boise named William Bora, a future senator. Um, though Diamond Field was too far south at the time, he was still convicted and sentenced to be hanged in two months. Finally, the the ranch manager, Bauer, went public and said that Gray and him shot them in self-defense, the two Mormon boys. Mm-hmm. Defense took this info to the parole board. Uh, they still said uh, Diamondfield had to hang because we don't like him. What else we're gonna do this Sunday? Yeah, totally. The mm-hmm. kid, the kid with the hoop and the stick. Yeah, there's, he lost his hoop. Yeah, and there's already like a kettle corn guy getting set up by the gallows <laughs> for the. <laughs> oh God! I mean, it's not far off. I no, know it's not I far mean, people off. would go have fucking picnics yeah. to watch a fucking hanging. So uh, this didn't stop Cassie County from trying Bowers and Gray, and the jury determined it was self-defense. So those two guys get off. Uh, Holly kept appealing, but now is in federal courts. Uh, the board finally reversed itself and sentenced Diamondfield to life in prison, Yay. even though he didn't kill anybody. Uh, finally, in December 1902, the parole board finally pardoned Diamondfield, though the state of Idaho said he murdered the Mormon kids. Kind of one of those, what was it, the uh, guys from the documentary, they had to plead guilty in order to get out. The three kids from uh, East oh, like the Central West, Park Five, Central Park, or West Memphis. Oh, West Memphis, West Memphis Three. Yeah. Oh, fucking stupid. Yeah. What was the uh, fucking Satanic Panic mm-hmm. bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get caught up in that. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamond Field was released from prison in Boise. Uh, he stopped in, and had a drink with the new mayor, which was his lawyer Holly. Yay. Uh, he took the train to Tanapa. Is that how you pronounce it? What? Tonopah. 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 Nevada. Uh, he never found any diamonds there, but he did strike it rich in a mineral strike. Like what kind Probably of Probably silver. Zinc. Yeah. Copper. Fucking guano. <laughs> and he had found fortune there, and he was a leading citizen there. Yay. But his well soon disappeared and became a wanderer and died in 1949 after being hit by a taxi cab in Las Vegas. What the fuck? Yep. Died in 49? <laughs> yep. And murdered by a fucking... Like gasoline beast, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, not even like I mean, forty nine. They had legit cars. It yeah. wasn't like a tin Lizzie fucking hitting holy you. Holy shit, dude. I mean, yeah. Holy fuck. That it never ceases to amaze me when these fuckers lived in like modern day, modern ish day. Yeah, it was like eighteen eighteen sixty three to nineteen forty nine. So. Damn, dude. That's a fucking pretty long life. Yeah, for a, what seems to be kind of a dumb motherfucker. Yeah. Like, doesn't have a lot of luck, but... Okay. <laughs> no luck and no common sense either. Yeah. He, like, turned a fucking... He, like, shot a dog that was nipping at him and then ended up in fucking life in prison. Yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked will be right back. Hi, I'm Todd Woodruff from Guns, Germs, and Steel. What do we sell? Solutions. Solutions to all your problems. <laughs> Are strangers talking to you in public? 
the BOGO Mace is for you. We call it BOGO because it's got two personal security tools in one. It's an easily concealable one-handed offense implement featuring a 3-pound spiked ball and a 10-inch chain. Just flip open the bottom cap on the handle to dispense our maximum potency military-grade pepper spray. No one will ever ask you for a cigarette again. Got a pesky neighbor? Try the Boomstick! This 12-gauge double-barrel Remington is GGS's top of the line. Made in Grand Rapids, Michigan, this sweet baby retails for just $109.95. Features a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. Daughter's boyfriend doesn't know his place? This plus four two-handed battle axe is the biggest melee weapon that we make. Don't let its size fool you, there's nothing awkward or clumsy about this axe. Yes, it's big and meant to be carried over the shoulder, but it's very well balanced and easily wielded at people of larger stature and strength. Try double wielding this beautiful matched pair of authentic Japanese katanas and earn the respect from your peers and enemies that you deserve. So come see us inside the Mile City Westfield Shopping Center, two stalls down from the Orange Julius, and remember, for every $200 you spend, you get to pick a vial of biological horrors from the virus rack. See us today at Guns, Germs, and Steel. Next up is Levy, uh, not not the guy from uh, Shit's Creek, the other guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, because every time I this guy I tried to Google, and it's what is it? it's Davis Davis Levy, right? Yep. And it, it keeps on like autocorrecting it to David Levy, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, he's a wonderful actor, not who I'm not Eugene for. Levy. Yeah. And well, and it just kept. Did you mean? It's like no. If I meant that, I, I would have fucking it typed in, it in. You, you bag of fuck. <laughs> fucking google and then paul's all getting smart with you oh that's why i use quotation marks oh that's why i type in idaho at the end of it i know the quotation mark trick too yeah just, just don't feel like it yeah maybe. i feel like arguing with hair google right now yeah fucking google anyway this one gets confusing you'd be happy to know that we'd be doing any sort of research on the show yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, Levy's Alley was a place where respectable people didn't go. This is in Boise. Uh, Joe Leonard was a hard scrabble type of guy. Uh, <laughs> he spells really long words. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, xylophone. There you go. Yep. Automatopoeia. Triple word score. Uh, he had no choice but to live there. Uh, he went to see a friend in another building named Matt Bilberry. This is October 1901. Opening the door, Leonard smelled something foul. This is an artist's interpretation of of what Will's about to describe. Ooh. Not that smelly things were that unusual in that building. Uh, Some rooms at the front were rented on the cheap to the working men. The rooms at the back towards Levy's Alley were for working women. And quote, quote, unquote. That was Boise's largest bardillo at the time. Uh, Davis Levy owned the building. Levy was usually there behind a sliding glass window to collect rent from people. Well, they had sliding glass windows back then? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But Levy was gone that day. Uh, so he walked past Levy's room and the smell got worse. Uh, Leonard went to Bilbrey's, who had his window open and didn't smell the smell until he opened the door. Ooh, <laughs> Don't you like smell. living in apartments? Can't you smell that smell? <laughs> Uh, Leonard said we should knock on Levy's door, but Bilberry hadn't seen him for a couple of days. So he kicked the fucker down. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he tried the door on Levy's apartment, but it was locked. Uh, Leonard went to get the cops. The chief of police named Ben Francis and an officer named Byron. They knew Levy, too. They served charges on him for allowing prostitution in his building. Uh, they see flies coming from the door of the next door, room 13. Which is always a good sign of abundant health and yeah. good tidings. The smell seems strongest from room 13, so Byron tar- tried a, a skeleton key on it. And, and of it course, worked. it's room 13. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a black cat ran across the hallway, and they walked under a ladder to go into the room. Breaking a mirror. Yeah, well, breaking a mirror. Salt over your butt cheeks. Yep. What? Uh, what? That's just how you season a butt cheek. Yeah. Oh. If I'm going to eat ass, okay, gotta be, it's got to be salty. The dry rub. <laughs> uh, though the room wasn't his, Levy was dead on the bed in a condition of decay. Mm, decay. That's what... I think that's supposed to be the decaying body. That's what I saw, yeah. It's yeah. just a little blob. Yeah. There's like a artist rendition that obviously was in well, like a it newspaper was, it was in the Boise paper, yeah. and it, it's it's pretty much just somebody sketched a room there. I mean, it's kind it's, of it's pointless. It's very fucking pointless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next to his body were six keys, carefully arranged from head to foot. A small money bag, empty, was found at the end of the bed. A bloody towel covered Levy's face. Uh, his hands and feet were bound with a strange rope. Strange rope? That was known for securing crates of bananas. What? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> do, do, hey, you do, any, do, do. Banana rope. You, you got any of that strange banana rope out here? <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe they like had made some kind of rope out of kelp or something. I did that the I other know day. You did. Yeah. I still have a piece of that tied to my luggage rack. It's still there? Mm-hmm. Nice. It actually petrified. It's like it. hard. Did it like shrink wood. and shit too? Yeah, it's actually the end of it's really sharp right now. All right, yeah. wow. Uh, Levy's death became the most spectacular murder case in Boise history. Ooh. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Step right up. Uh, police tried to put the pieces together. He was last seen Thursday. He probably died that night. He was killed by strangulation. Uh, he was eating supper when the murder occurred. The killer struck him from behind and didn't have time to swallow. The murderer didn't have time to swallow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he must have been killed in his own apartment and moved to room 13, which was cleaned for a future tenant. Uh, also, the rent money had been uh, collected and was missing. Uh, Levy immigrated from Poland around 1847 and got to Boise in 1868. The more straight-edge elements of the city didn't like him for some reason because he ran prostitution. It's what they colloquially called a whoremonger at the time. <laughs> uh, Levy liked to curse them out at any chance. So you can go fuck yourself. Just imagine that. Curses. Just Clint, Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what, what's a good Polish uh, curse word? I'll have to look those up. How to curse in Polish. If you want to call somebody an asshole, you say dupek. If you want to call somebody bitch, you say Suka. How to say dick. This one's easy. Hui. Uh, the new mayor didn't like him either. Uh, he was also Jewish and didn't like how Levy made his money, trying to give uh, the whole tribe the bad rep there, trying to head off anti-Semitism. Uh, Which was a pretty 
uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the case made deadly head headlines. Rewards were posted. Made deadly headlines? Deadly, yep. The fuck does that mean? Want me to show you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Uh, police soon had a man in custody, 18-year-old Grover West, who was talking with others about trying to break into Levy's place. Finally, we get to the part... This is what the whole podcast is about, how this guy was fucked. What? Mr. West. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That was... So this is going to be the end of the show. Uh, I should roll up a newspaper and hit you with it. (sighs) You don't have the spray bottle? No. Uh, But he was uh, no good. The police had another suspect, George Levy. He was no good. Like, no, this suspect is inadequate. Get rid of him. George Levy was no relation, who was a pimp for a couple of the girls in the other Levy's building. Okay. <laughs> the two Levy's were seen arguing with each other. Uh, police were called, and they threw George Levy and his two girls out of town. They went to Baker, Oregon, on a train. Uh, one story made the rounds even before the murder of Levy. He captured a rabbit and skinned it alive just to watch it suffer. Oh. Oh. So he's one of those guys. Super. Uh, he was seen back in Boise the night of the murder, but he said he was having dinner with friends, then was at a cigar store, but his timeline was off when confirmed by witnesses. There was an hour gap he was unaccounted for. Um, when he got to the cigar store, he pretended he was there longer than he was, which was odd. So he just walk in and it's like, I've been here an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, police Chief Ben Francis went to Baker to arrest Levy. Levy already purchased tickets to go to Rock Springs, Wyoming. Uh, Next February, George Levy was tried for the murder of Davis Levy. He was convicted and served nine years for the murder, which is a pretty light sentence because nobody liked the other Levy. (laughs) Well, what you did was illegal, but also that guy was a a piece of shit. So So, uh, public service offsetting the sentence, (laughs) yeah. So George Levy's crime had a significant effect on Boise. His property was inventoried, which kind of shed a light on his illicit doings. Then Davis Levy's relatives arrived from San Francisco and Salt Lake City. Um, And then they saw what the property was used for. And they insisted on cleaning it up. Also, Mayor Alexander put pressure on cleaning up the red light district. And now they cleaned it up. Now it's full of trendy-ass restaurants. Oh, good. Fuck. They could have just legalized it. Probably where the shredder is. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, the shredder? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Levy's Alley. Go look for it in Boise. Well, they named it after him? I don't well, know he named still it. There. He named oh, it. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was still or called Levy's Alley. It. it probably is. Let's find out. That's the story of the murdering Levy's. Well, also, like... Levy on Levy violence? Didn't the other Levy, like, there was some motherfuckery where, like, he like, got let out, let go and, like, moved back to France and then came back with a woman and was immediately arrested for, I think, what the charge was, like, white slavery, they called it, because he basically imported a woman for impure purposes or some shit and was, like, arrested in California or Oregon or something. Yeah. Mm. Basically, yeah, he got off pretty light for the murder and then went, because he was originally from France, and then came back and then got arrested again for foreign and pretty much sex trafficking. 
Cool. And then also, I remember reading, like, at his trial, you know, he doesn't speak very good English, and they didn't have any interpreter, and they kind of didn't like him either because he was French, so just little things like that. <laughs> Super. That and apparently the other Levy, the one that got murdered at one point, you know, uh, was getting robbed by, like, three guys, and he wouldn't tell them where the money was, so they made him stand on a hot, uh, potbelly stove in his bare feet. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Over, like, 80 bucks. Jesus, fuck. So it was a wonderful time to be alive. Ugh. <laughs> this is a paid presentation for Total War and More, brought to you by Bronson Swagger Industries. Hi, I'm Craig Woodruff Nelson here with my partner Judy Woodruff Nelson. Welcome to the Total War and More Hour here on the BSI Shopping Network. Now, you may be aware of our competitor, Todd Woodruff, over there at Guns, Germs, and Steel. Let's first get this out of the way. Yes, the rumors are true. He is my brother, but after this short presentation, I think you'll all agree who the better businessman is. Okay, Dad. Alright, first up, beautifully displayed here in Judy's palm is not really a weapon per se, but actually an ammunition. We call it the Total War and More Knife Blast. Knife Blast is an extra-large shotgun round stuffed with tiny knives. This isn't your run-of-the-mill shrapnel, okay? Each cartridge is filled with honest-to-goodness miniature Bowie knives, hand-sharpened in Malaysia. Go ahead and open one, Dad. Okay, Judy, bring up the next one. Just look at the way that thing hangs off the shoulder. I'm so excited to showcase this one, folks. All right, what we have here is our tippy-top-of-the-line Total War and More Battle Musket. This puppy is over four feet long with a six pound axe head attached for the traditional bayonet would be, I mean, talk about versatility. You could reenact the US Civil War or take down a cybernetic elf street samurai on Council Island. It's called Shadow Run, not fucking space D&D, okay, Pops? Finally, we come to Total War and More's flagship product. Is someone making you mad? Are you looking to place the blame on a family member or significant other and then get away as quickly as possible? Then you need the escape goal! Whoa, whoa, there, Chief. Gotta be slow, we don't want to spook him. This baby is a live goat. Strapped with two SpaceX Mini Falcons. Are you in Roseburg, Oregon, being ridiculed for rolling for initiative and attack with a beautiful one-of-a-kind set of Dragonbone dice instead of getting a job? Well, with the escape goat, you could be in Chattanooga before you can say, you're not my real father. Can't make up your mind now? Come to the Total War and More Brick and Mortar store, located right across from weak-ass guns, germs, and steel inside the Mile City Westfield Shopping Center, adjacent to the Orange Julius, and remember, my brother doesn't have real biologically harmful chemicals. But I do. A Bronson Swagger Company. Want to talk about Harry Orchard? Yes, because, <laughs> first of all, that is, yeah, that is definitely, definitely how Will refers to his package. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my Harry Orchard. God. Smuggling plums. <laughs> and a banana. Mm-hmm. And some banana rope. That's uh, better than crab like apples, a, I guess. Well, it's more like a durian and one, <laughs> one, one durian and one kiwi and a... <laughs> Fucking and a strawberry. <laughs> Definitely smells like a durian. Yep. Anyway, it's not symmetrical. 
asymmetrical. Oh. Or is it insymmetrical? A anti. Um, un unsymmetrical. Anti. I like anti-symmetrical. Non-symmetrical. Anyway, in Caldwell, Drifter came to town and registered under the name Thomas Hogan, but his real name was Harry Orchard. Uh, unlike other drifters, he was well-dressed and seemed to have money. And actually, Harry Orchard was also a fake name. Mm -hmm. He spent a lot of time in the Saratoga Hotel playing cards. Uh, no one knew he aimed to assassinate one of Caldwell's best-liked citizens, former Governor Frank Stunenberg. Uh, his it first like he just made that up on the fly. Harry Orchard. That's Harry Orchard? That's Harry Orchard. Wow, he looks like a... Like a tycoon from the 20s or something. Yeah, of. he's got kind of crazy eye going on. He does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, his first attempt failed. Uh, he placed a bomb alongside the sidewalk just before uh, Stunenberg walked home from the Saratoga Hotel. He placed a tripwire across the sidewalk. Uh, the tripwire broke, and the bomb failed to detonate. Basically detonate. fucking Wile e. Coyote. Yeah, no shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, Harry Orchard took the bomb and hid it in a box in a pile of manure. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> he tried again a few weeks later. Uh, he knew Stunenberg would get a paper and read it at the Saratoga bar. After learning Stunenberg was there, Harry went and placed the bomb near Stunenberg's front gate and raced back to the hotel and played cards. I just imagine, like, Stunenberg does, has no idea that any of this is happening. Yeah, yeah. When I'm also picturing this guy, like, running around town with, like, a big cartoon bomb, like the cannonball-looking yeah, and it doesn't go off, so he's yeah. still using the same bomb. It's, like, covered in horse shit now. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, like, goddamn, like, you know, Flight of the Bumblebees playing as he, like, scampers <laughs> around town. and yeah. So he plants the bomb, and he heard Stunenberg was leaving. But uh, Harry Orchard couldn't resist and quit the card game to watch. <laughs> so he trailed him to the gate, staying far behind. It is uh, so fucking Wiley Coyote. Like, <laughs> you know, Roadrunner pulls up to the pile of birdseed that has, like, the landmine underneath it. And he's, like, staring at the birdseed. And the coyote's sitting there, like, drooling or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he wants to watch the bomb explode. I want to see the bomb explode. <laughs> and he saw it explode. So he ran back to the Saratoga Hotel and rejoined the card game, trying to disguise his uh, out-of-breathness. So he's like, hey, guys. Hey, uh, I just took the best piss I've ever taken. Harry, what was that noise, man? <laughs> oh, I had to pass some wind. Uh, word came in of the explosion. Orchard looked unemotional and went and ate his supper. Uh, Harry Orchard was involved with the violence in the minor strikes in the Coeur d'Alene area. Mm-hmm. Orchard helped haul explosives into the Warner mine to blow it up, and blew it up he did. When the federal troops were called in, Orchard went to Butte, and he found his new job there, blowing stuff up for the miners. <laughs> Finally, something, yeah. something he can enjoy. So that's his uh, game now, is blowing up stuff. But he has to, like, set the set the bomb, and then, like, sneak around yeah, to yeah, look, yeah. watch the rock get blown up from far away. Like he waits till everybody else is off for the day and yeah. sneaks in and, yeah. Kind of crouching masturbates exactly. while he's waiting for the totally. fucking... In Colorado, his explosions would target live humans, too. Orchard was asked to throw a bomb into the Vindicator mine, but it failed to ignite again. But at least he had some willingness to kill, so that was... Eight. Yeah. Yeah. 
1904 in Denver, you learned from miners from a miners meeting that a deputy sheriff was in town that was beating up officers of the miners union. Orchard followed the deputy with a sawed-off shotgun and shot him three times. Wow. That's out of character, but... Well, it's also interesting with, you know, when you have a sawed-off shotgun in this day and age, it's going to be probably a single or double barrel. Right. So that indicates... He had a triple barrel? No, it indicates he probably had a single barrel and then reloaded twice. Right. Mm Because why would you, you know, if you're going to give him both barrels from a double barrel, why wouldn't you put in two more shells and give him two two more? Right, right. I'm just... That's conjecture, but... After that, he was assigned to blow up a railroad depot that killed 14. Uh, Next, he was sent out again in the fall of 1904, this time to San Francisco, to murder Fred Bradley, who is an executive of the Bunker Hill and Sullivan Mine. Uh, He placed a pipe bomb at his house, but the blast wasn't powerful enough, and Bradley was just wounded and recovered. Ah, shrugged it off. Mm Kind of like the uh, Porter Rockwell guy that... Got shot with the pepper box and then... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometime in August 1905, Orchard got the go-ahead to murder Stunenberg. Whether it was merely suggested or Orchard was hired was uh, directly is uh, still debated. But according to Orchard, he was paid $300 to murder him. By? By miners? I thought it was like Pinkertons. Oh. He, for a while, he was claiming like Pinkertons were paying him to, to do shit. Maybe but I but maybe that was more like I think that was more when he was like blowing up miners though, maybe. Probably, uh, Orchard was briefly questioned. Later, after the hearing, he was a suspect. Walked into the city police station and insisted on clearing himself. That made him uh, even more suspicious. I'm here to clear my name. Yeah. What? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harry Orchard. Good God, why? They laugh him out of the fucking yeah. room. Yeah, and I'm fucking Tom Dragon Nuts or something. You know, like. uh, the next day in the middle of the card game, he was arrested, though. Uh, soon after he confessed, he implicated three union leaders, Bill Haywood, Charles Moyer, and Bill Pettibone, whose resulting trials became an international news story. With Orchard's testimony, it proved pivotal against him. Uh... I guess the three labor leaders were acquitted, though. Yeah. But Orchard's conviction struck, uh, stuck. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Orchard went to the Idaho State Pen in 1908 and stayed there for 46 years. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Wait, how old was he when he got arrested? Not very old. Yeah. Holy shit. But dude. yeah, he got fucking life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the longest in the original penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orchard was originally sentenced to hang, but was commuted to life in prison. Later, it was cut more. He was offered parole, but turned it down, preferring to tend his garden in the state penitentiary and live out his life inside. Wow. Apparently, apparently they also put him in charge of the, the prison poultry population. Like, he feed the chickens, too. Ooh, so. it's like Birdman and Alcatraz. Yeah. Shit. Mm-hmm. So, in 1954, Orchard died at the state pen. Wow, they gave him the opportunity to get out, and he's like, nah. Nah. Institutionalized. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a Pepsi. <laughs> but you wouldn't give it to me. Well, some fun little details about this that you kind of like skipped over. All right. Uh, <laughs> like, well, you, you know, before his life as the mad bomber of all over the West, 
Like, he started out, like, he's from uh, Canada, and then he, like, moved to Michigan and became, oh, like, fun. a logger. And he got married in 1889, and then him and his... And actually, his real name was something Horsley. Uh, Horsley? Yeah, Albert Horsley. So... <laughs> I mean... But Harry Orchard is good, and Tom, Tom Hogan is the other one he used. But uh, I like uh, his listed professions or occupation, logger, cheesemaker, milkman, miner. So you with left the, one out, with dude. The, with the, yeah, <laughs> crazy bomber. Yeah, but like uh, with the cheese making thing, apparently him and his wife started making cheese for themselves and for other people, and then he decided he wanted to fuck around, so he like burned down their cheese making operation, and then like took off with his mistress with the insurance money or some shit. What the? Fuck? And like abandoned his wife and daughter. Oh my god! And then they like you know they absconded, and then they broke up like shortly after that, and then he ended up in uh, Wallace, Idaho, for a little while, uh, delivering milk to the mines. Cool. Cool. That's weird. <laughs> 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 then I became a Schwan man. Apparently, also like uh, uh, when he did the, uh, you know, when he blew up the the governor or whatever uh apparently on his way back to the hotel he had a blasting cap in his pocket that like went off oh fuck which yeah that had to that's sting. gotta suck yeah and well and then like you know like will said he just kind of like hung around town and pretended like nothing was wrong but i mean he his coat had to have a big fucking hole you know it's not like they had a lot yeah. of changes of clothes but okay <laughs> oh man i don't know what are you talking about uh it smells sulfur and burning flesh <laughs> no, nothing but then also at his trial like he had uh like his defense lawyer, I think that's the one. I think this is the one where his defense lawyer was trying to claim that he had like crazy people in his family and shit. And then he also had a character witness that was like so adamant that he was like uh, innocent. The guy's like ranting and raving. The the judge actually had the witness like uh, committed to an insane asylum because he was <laughs> no. going so nuts in the courtroom. <laughs> so this guy is crazy. <laughs> He's so fucking innocent. Ah! my problem yeah so those are just fun little Sick. padding to that weird <laughs> shit excellent yeah how about one more story and we'll leave you alone okay sounds All good right. lida lewis and ed meyer were married september 20th a month later they were at the twin falls hospital because he had tomaine poisoning Shh. lida oh, lewis tomaine. is that it's, I don't even think it's a real thing anymore, but, like, I thought it was, like, when you I thought had to look that it up was, too, like, but food poisoning, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Lida Lewis was first married at an early age, only to become a widow three years later, then a second marriage, widowed, and a third marriage, widowed. Are you seeing a pattern? Oh, shit. I, we already found the serial killer in this story. <laughs> yep. Now, her fourth husband was desperately ill, and she was only 28 years old. Fuck, dude. She was a striking beauty and had red hair and got the men's attention easily. But the only way she could get off was if the dude she was banging was on his deathbed. Well, mm -hmm. it was more like uh, she likes money. Oh, and I see. there's you know there were still life insurance policies even back. Then. Sure, sure. Uh, doctors had not been able to reach a diagnosis. Uh, Ed Meyer's insides seemed to be on fire. Mm. Not literally, right? It's like my flaming hot Cheeto macaroni. Yeah. I'm expecting every, my insides to be on fire. Every time he talks, like smoke comes out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. You should see his farts. Yeah. 
Uh, flu is still sweeping the country like it is now. Uh, that was said to be carried off another one of Lida's husbands. Uh, the docs asked what Ed had been eating. For a time, they thought it was food poisoning from all the sardines and milk Ed was consuming. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, and uh, just to clarify, uh, tomaine poisoning is food poisoning. Yeah, food poisoning, formerly called tomaine poisoning, acute gastrointestinal illness resulting from the consumption of foods containing one or more representatives of the three main groups of harmful agents. That's it. Harmful I'm, agents, like, yeah, like, like the uh, Pinkertons. No, uh, Boris and Natasha, yeah. and uh, <laughs> fucking Doctor Claw, yeah, and totally. anyway. But they still kept running tests, and after six days, Ed got better. Uh, the day after he got better, Lida asked to be alone with her husband. Uh-huh. They were still newlyweds, after all. I he sleeps better when I hold this pillow tightly over <laughs> his face. <laughs> The nurses said yes, and Lida brought Ed a picnic lunch. A picnic lunch. A sardine ice cream and fucking apricots. It's your favorite sardines and milk sandwich. (laughs) After several hours, Lida came out yelling for help. Ed was sick again and doubled over. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, The docs tried, but nothing helped, and Ed died that evening. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the doctors are stunned and puzzled. Uh, what they did know that Lida had just taken out a life insurance on on uh, Ed for uh, $12,000. So Lida was born in 1892 in Keatsville, Missouri. Um, she was born Lida Trueblood. Cool. She was married in 1912 to another former Keatsville resident, Robert Dooley. They moved back to Missouri but couldn't make a go of it and moved back to Twin Falls. Uh, the young family had just begun to build a farm when that Robert's, Robert's brother, Ed Dooley, died of, uh, like you said, was it tomaine poisoning? Yeah. But there's a P in it, huh? Yeah. For no reason. Same in like, tomaine? Yeah, like pterodactyl. Or it's like, like in the at the end or like right in the middle? No, it's P- PT. PT. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, even more surprisingly, Robert died too, apparently a typhoid. Uh, the deaths were investigated, but lightly. Only after did the authorities check to see if Ed had insurance payout of $2,500 to Lida. And Robert, when Robert died, uh, Lida got $5,000. So she got $7,500. Back in Twin Falls, she fell into a conversation with the cafe's owner, Bill McAfee. And before long, they were married. In May 1917, all seemed well for a year or more. And then the fall of 1918... When uh, headlines were sweeping the land about the Spanish flu, Bill McAfee suddenly became ill. Uh, surprisingly, because Billy was always a healthy, robust man. Yeah. Because that he eats matters. his daily allotment of milk and sardines, so mm-hmm. how could he not be? <laughs> and their daughter died too. Oh, shit. And they said the flu was the culprit in both cases. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. After the funerals, Lida sold all her property and disappeared from Twin Falls. Shocking. She then married Harlan Lewis, a farm machinery salesman in Denver. Uh, Apparently, they ran away together and married in Denver. March 1919, uh, the happy couple drove to Billings, where Lewis's business was. Uh, Just three months later, Lewis was dead, and Lida stuck around to collect $10,000. Fuck, man. And Lida vanishes again. 
She returned to Twin Falls in 1920 and began to socialize with Ed Meyer. Don't, don't do it, Ed. Don't. don't do it. A few days after Ed died, she tried to collect the $12,000 in life insurance policy, but was rejected. Because she'd already tapped out every other life insurance policy on the fucking planet. Yep. Not quite. She was late with her first payment. Oh, man. <laughs> Furious, but determined not to hang around, she disappeared she again. She married the insurance agent and poisoned his fucking ass. <laughs> exactly. Friends in the sheriff, who was friends with Ed, became suspicious after the fourth time. I'm going to go investigate her and then date her and then marry her. Yeah, right. Oh, now I don't feel well. <laughs> and the old McAfee house, the new owners found piles of flypaper downstairs. And a pot. Which Lida apparently boiled down the flypaper to make arsenic. I, th- I, th- I think nowadays flypaper doesn't have all the arsenic in it, but you know, this is some of that good weapons grade. Fly paper. O- old timey fly paper. That, oh, dude! Like if your dog licks it, it goes into convulsions, and your children touch it, they go blind. Well, you got to poison all those flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they get stuck to the paper. Well, because the flies are busy giving you like typhoid rabies and fucking it, and, liver spots and every yeah. other fucking thing. So bad humors. Yeah. So the sheriff bad had humor. the bride. The ice cream company. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream man is that with uh, sardines in Ron it? Ron Howard's brother. Oh yeah, the oh. ice cream man, uh, Clint Howard. Yep. Spent the last twenty at some private clinic called Wishing Well for the mentally disturbed. We believe in compassion. Shut up! Going at the Wishing Well Hospital. Get some people down here quick. No one leaves the Wishing Well. Doctor's orders. <laughs> Even with a head start, there's no escape. You can run, but you can't hide from the ice cream man. Let us pray. Starring Olivia Hussey, Jan Michael Vincent, Sandal Bergman, David Naughton, David Warner, and Clint Howard as the ice cream man. This is gonna be fun. Isn't that also fucking David Lee Roth? What? Isn't he like the ice cream man with his stupid little gloves and his little bow tie? God, I want to kick David Lee oh, ass yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. Why? Well, he, he's he, just... Isn't he dead? I fucking... Oh, that's... Oh, actually, Eddie's dead. Eddie Van Halen. Anyway, the sheriff had the good idea to test the bodies for arsenic, and they found trace amounts. Imagine that. But Lida was nowhere to be found. Imagine that. She had wandered down to California. Look at this bag of fuck. Are we taking a new blood oath? It's just, just, just punchable face. Are we? Are we? Okay. Are we swapping? Yeah. We're swapping uh, uh, Mile City for uh, David Lee Roth now. Fuck you, Mile City. <laughs> and also Nelson Miles. <laughs> Let's look at that rock corpse. Oh yuck! He's even worse <laughs> today. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Is that a Tim Tim oh, thing? God damn it! Can you send me that picture? I don't know. Send it to yourself. I don't know how. My new phone is complex. Anyway, she worked jobs and conserved her money this time. Then she met Vincent Paul Southard, a chief petty officer on the USS Monterey. Within two weeks, they were married. Uh, she followed him to Pearl Harbor, where he was stationed. What year was this? Uh, 1920s. Holy yeah. shit. Pearl Harbor's been around a hot minute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sheriff called Honolulu and told him to arrest Lida and check if she took out a policy on her new husband, which she did. Uh, then she was brought back to Twin Falls to face trial. 
She became an international news story, and she was convicted of second-degree murder. Uh, Paul Southard uh, filed for divorce. <laughs> Sorry, Lida, it's over. What <laughs> are the grounds? Your cooking tastes like flypaper. <laughs> I mean, I like sardines and milk as much as the next guy, but it's got that arsenic <laughs> fucking flavor. So. Uh, she got life in prison, but in 1931, after a decade behind bars, she fashioned a rope. Well, first, she had a section of uh, hacksaw that she got because she had to cut a bar, too. Of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, she climbed out of her cell to a waiting car. Well, fashioned rope and also apparently had, because uh, apparently this was a co-ed prison because they had a shop where the men prisoners were, and apparently oh. she was in cahoots with one of the men prisoners, and he was like in the metal shop and built her a ladder, <laughs> like a fucking <laughs> classical ladder. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, so after a frantic search for months, she was found in Denver, married to Harry Winlock. Oh no, Harry! <laughs> Ooh, that's a, looks like Emily Dickinson. Holy shit! Like Wednesday Adams. That's definitely like a painting that would watch you <laughs> from the wall. Uh, just before she could be arrested, she took off. She was later recaptured in Kansas and returned to prison 15 months later. So Lida stayed in prison for the next decade. Then she was pardoned and lived with her sister. She was pardoned? Yeah, yep. I, I, I will never fuck? understand that she shit. She fucking busted out of prison, dude. And murdered, like, yeah. what, four guys? Five? Good lord. And tried to murder more? Uh, she stayed there a few years, but then moved back to Twin Falls to the family farm. But she wasn't welcome back in the community for some reason. <laughs> yes. So she moved to Provo, Utah. She married a man there named Hal Shaw, but... When his children found out about Lida, since she was an international news story, Shaw took off. Uh, she died in February 1958 of a heart attack, and she's buried in Utah under the name Lida Shaw. Oh, wow. The end. Holy oh. shit. Also, apparently, when she broke out of jail, uh, they put up a, a princely sum of $50 for reward money to fuck <laughs> her down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the thing is, okay, I keep, I keep showing, like, Tony and Will, like, pictures of her that I'm pulling they, up. They all look very different. Very different. Like, the headline is, back to prison. She looks like, I don't know, she's like, lunch, <laughs> lunch lady, yeah. Yeah, like lunch lady. And made the Slappy Joes oh, yeah. extra slappy. Yeah, extra arsenic-y. Fucking mm-hmm. crazy. Fucking A, man. Yep. Uh, Idaho, the Florida of the Northwest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fucking interesting place. Yep. Is fucked. I like visiting it. I was I was skeptical of this episode when you told me it was going to be about Idaho. It's like, oh, we're in Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people like. When you think Idaho, they get such fucking hoopla about their fucking potato prowess. Yeah. But everybody's pictures is like one big potato field. No, they got like awesome mountains and, you know, the Snake River and mm-hmm. craters of the moon and all that shit. Crate. Like, like brought some craters from the moon. No, it's like mm-hmm. a volcanic rock thing. It's it's literally a national monument, national park, national monument. I don't know. I was just there a couple of years ago, but like it's just lava flows in the middle of a desert. Like if you're gonna hike it, I recommend you do it as the sun is coming up because I don't think you want to be there around about noon because cook you. Oh shit! I mean it it won't, but it's fucking hot. You know, yeah, because everything's black and lava and stuff. But you know, Idaho's a very Got a lot of diverse habitats, stuff like driving along the fucking Snake River and the, I think is a Green River down there too. 
Well, we've there's established there's a green river there's in green every river state, everywhere. but yeah. yeah. But a lot of that shit, you know, there's some like kind of Oregon Trail bullshit happening, and you can see, you know, parts of the snake where like you could like see the water, but you couldn't get to it because there's the sharp cliffs on either side. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty hellacious uh, scenery out there. Cool. But uh, you know, as, evil Knievel tried to jump it. Yep. And if you go through like Mountain Home for some reason, they have just a fucking tank parked on the side of the road in the on the exit to the town. They gotta stop fucking arming these goddamn cops. Yep. Military grade bullshit. No, it's fucking Idaho. Oh yeah. Well, and you know that thing about where how uh, there's that part. I think it's a petition where Eastern Oregon wants to join Idaho. So they become Greater Idaho because you know they don't want these libtard oh, the, cucks yeah, from right, Portland right. running their. Oh, shit. It's just like Washington State. Same oh yeah, shit. It's, it's once you get shit. over the mountains, it's like. Well, and then the first thing, like I mean, it's pretty much a impossible pipe dream. But the first thing they would do is deregulate everything and stop paying taxes, and it would become a like lawless third world hellhole in. Yeah, just it minutes. would become the the mid to late 1800s um, of the well, US. straight up American <laughs> Taliban shit with yeah. a backwards economy and uh-huh. just, you know. So, yeah. I mean, but, it, you know, they dare to dream down there. They're, yeah. they're big dreamers. And, American uh, Taliban. Yeah, but. Get away from me. So, yeah, good luck with your secession or whatever the fuck. Anyways, Idaho, <laughs> the home of Dick Shooter. <laughs> yep. Home of Dick Shooter and Atomic City. and Go there and shoot yourself in the dick. dick. Yep. Speaking of getting shot in the dick, let's go out in a hail of gunfire. Yeah, fire. 